Esther Payrolls and Nina Marti are the founders of MAR, a brand born in Lugano out of a reimagined Japanese concept of seeking better balance in life. MAR promotes well-being, emotional harmony and self-care through home scents, delivered via sustainably sourced organic essential oils. As Esther and Nina will explain, the MAR enterprise is all rooted in nature and based upon organic materials, ensuring that the business follows sustainable principles in everything from product provenance to packaging. They'll explain too how Mars aesthetics are also inspired by a certain Japanese simplicity, granting object space a definitively less is more approach. Plus, later in the programme, we'll meet another bold entrepreneur who's taken inspiration from Japan when we sit down with Mugi's Mikhail Stieber. Mikhail and his partner Andrea Rierkut produce Japanese Mugi Cha or barley tea that also has other applications in cookery and cereals. But instead of Shizuoka, they're growing barley and transforming its reputation in Bavaria, where for a long time, to most people at least, barley meant only beer. Mikhail will tell us how two teachers of philosophy came to challenge the received wisdom in the production of barley. You're listening to The Entrepreneurs with me, Tom Edwards. To Bavaria then later, but we start with Esther Payrolls and Nina Marty, the founders of Mar. Yeah, and I guess the first question would be, how did you guys come up with the idea? Well, and how did you even get together on this enterprise? Nina? We first met and then the concept came once we were living both in a more gentle atmosphere. We first met through a common person in Paris. And by that time, Esther was living in Paris, I was living in London, so we didn't have at all this kind of uh, gentle life. We also saw that we shared a lot of values and a lot of lifestyle experiences. So we found out ourselves traveling and mixing work with leisure. So we would try to be, I don't know, if Esther was in New York, I would try to be in New York at the same time and then have these walks and visiting galleries and having all this atmosphere of big cities together and just talking and seeing ideas coming around. But it wasn't there that we had this idea of Ma. So it was actually when we both moved to nature that we started with holistic lifestyles. And Steph graduated as a health coach. And myself, I was starting with a lot of workshops with essential oils. And by that time, we realized, uh, both of us, that essential oils generally are not well understood. So people will ask us, like, Okay, like how do I use this essential oil? Which one is the right one for this emotion or to convey this moment? And so we said, okay, maybe there's something here, right? I mean, we wanted to do something that was meaningful to us and was something for improving everyone's lifestyle. And essential oils was there as a powerful tool, let's say, to convey all these ideas. I guess that was the time that we said, okay, let's set out for working with essential oils and let's make the benefits accessible to all by simplifying this category, by modernizing this category, by making it sustainable and by making it something beautiful at the same time. I'm really interested in this idea of the way that essential oils and these scents you talk about them in terms of the brand, in terms of their importance in supporting emotions. Was that just born out of, clearly out of your personal experience, but had you seen that process elsewhere? I don't know, as you traveled around the world, had you understood 
how in maybe in particular geographies or culturally people engage better with the power of scent with the power of essential oils to shape a better sense of well-being and and self-care how much was it a personal learning and how much was it something that you'd seen culturally in action elsewhere well there's a lot of personal learning here actually when we were developing the scent and for us the sign that was telling us that we were doing right was that every time someone was smelling a blind test we were giving them the buds and they were closing their eyes and instantly every single person was smiling and saying, oh, this smells like that, this smells like that, this is like, there's something else, I don't know what it is. And, and you know, that was for us like the proof that we had to go that way. So a scent is something that has been there for many, many millennials. But if you look back to previous generations, like the Romans, the Greeks, all of them were using a scent in particular moments in their lives. There's a lot of rituals in India. I'm very attached to India. And there's a lot of rituals in Ayurveda that it's also linked to the scent. So I would say, similar to music, a scent can define a different culture and different rituals. And we are all blinded to that because it's triggering our past emotions as well. When you're inhaling essential oils, you're stimulating the areas of your limbic system, which are the parts of your brain that will play a role in emotions, behaviors, and long-term memory. So this is a powerful, let's say, tool that we all have and that we can all play with it. And in different cultures, they've been playing that in different areas. I don't know, I would say in cuisine, for example, all the grandmas are using these herbs in mixing all the, in the diets. When you go to a church, that there's this um, spiritual feeling with this scent of frankincense. All of this, it's part of our life and it's going to change our experiences while we smell, while we inhale it if using uh, essential oils or when we have, I don't know, rosemary in our hands as well. So, so, so I was going to ask about this concept because I know just you know, browsing your, some of your materials, you talk about some of these Eastern concepts, philosophical concepts almost about establishing balance. And obviously, you know, at Monocle, we're, we're all big Japanophiles. And I think there's this quite strong notion, isn't there, in a lot of Eastern cultural systems about living a more balanced life. Perhaps in certain Western cultures, because we're always in such a hurry, we don't understand the power of scent to play a really important role in establishing that balance. Is that important that we stop and re-engage with our senses and understand the power they have to help us find that equilibrium. Yes, totally. I think that we are all the time in autopilot. So we 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 don't have this time or we don't more mostly precise saying we don't take this time to just stop and then look around. Just looking around, looking around nature, we have a lot of answers. We have a lot of sense, for example, that we can introduce in our lives. That's why mindfulness is there right now, uh, increasing a lot. That's why yoga is there. That's why we have all these alternatives to introduce in our life. Because if we want to live in a clarion, we need to stop. We need to have this break. And that's why we love when we hear about, for the first time, about the Ma concept. Because Ma actually means pause. It's just amazing, right? I mean, it's something that we are not taking aware. And it's something that we need 
to put in our life in order to be well, positive and balanced. Ma, at the end of the day, is a concept that means the space within the space where anything is possible. And we like to explain with example that really opens the eyes of anyone. It's about music or even conversations as we are having now. If you think about a song, your favorite song, it's made of note and a space. Note, space, note, space. If you are not respecting that wide space, there is no melody, there is no song, nothing makes sense. And we have reinterpreted that in a way that we say, ma is that moment, ma moment, as Nina was saying, in which we need to pause in our daily life. It doesn't have to be long, but you have to take that time to center yourself. We are living a very chaotic life, very connected. And what are you doing on your daily life that is just for you to be you in the moment? And that's what we want is to improve people's life or people's well-being. And we are giving them the tools of spending the moments because this way we are forcing you to stop. <laughs> but beyond that, we are also sharing tips that have worked for us. And in the future, we would like to have other type of products or experience that are going to help you to find your my moment. Yeah, we kind of want to be inspirational to, to introduce these moments of awareness at your life. It's not just about essential oils. It's not just about posing. It's just as well of inspiration. Like what inspires you, what sparks you, what makes you feel connected to something. Everyone has this ma moment and we can reinterpret this ma moment in different ways, in different ways of being connected to nature. Well, and let me ask you about nature because we keep coming back to this. And yes. I think for some businesses, engagement with nature is a motif or it's emblematic. But for my moments, it's, it is everything. It is the product. It is, it's not just part of the story of the brand origin. It permeates every product, the packaging, the approach, everything. Talk to us a little bit about the actual mechanics of it, because you obviously only use natural organic products. Mm -hmm. You blend the blends by hand. It's very, very important, clearly, that you live every moment of the brand story with that natural engagement. Presumably that does make things slower. It makes them more, more expensive and complicated. But why is it so fundamental? And how challenging is it to make sure that you do observe that deep commitment in every step of the process? So it's a challenge and yes, it goes slower, but it was one of the things from the very beginning we didn't want to compromise. There were three things we never wanted to compromise. One was the respect and having the best and organic products because we respect nature. Secondly was having things simple. We don't want to do anything for the sake of doing it. So that's why all our packaging, it's always having a double purpose and even the little brochure is like a piece of art you can reuse or redecorate your apartment. So that for us was very important. And the last part was that we would be always having some sort of integration. So going back to your question, yes, it makes things more complicated, but it's more meaningful to us. And we think it's more meaningful for everybody that is going to be part of the process, starting with suppliers to the end consumer. Yeah, at the end of the day, as we love nature, we also have to be preserving nature at the same time. I mean, it would be making no sense of saying, yes, we're natural or whatever. And then, I don't know, mixing our products with alcohols or things that, yes, of course, they will give us more margin. But what's the point of it? There's one of the blends that took us 
more time to develop. And the reason why is because we were only accepting pure organic essential oils. And sometimes to get the emotional benefits of um, a particular plant, there are very limited choices of oils. So in the case of sensuality, we had to have the, con the, like the emotional convey of sensuality, but also we wanted that pleasant aroma. And all of the ones that we liked, the, the version of the organic oil was either non-available or astronomically expensive. So I think that was the blend that took us more iterations to find the one we like. So yes, to your point, it can go very slow, but where there is a will, there's always a way to make it happen. Absolutely. And one of the other, what's one of the other cliches? Good things come to those who wait, right? And the best things take, the best things take time. What's the potential from our moments for people who are taking that time, who are using scent, using this different, more holistic approach to well-being? You know, are there a few, I don't know, Esther, are there some world leaders who you could imagine if they just took a more moment, they might just slow down. They might make better decisions. Presumably, Everyone, whatever they're engaged with, whether it's the challenges of new parenthood or running a corporation or running a country, people should be taking this this time. Do, do you, do, is that part of your ambition that you can inspire literally everybody to take that moment to recalibrate, to try and find that equilibrium? Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at the news, there are more and more companies that they are having the well-being department. More companies are concerned about the well-being of their employees. I know because I've been working with my consultancy company with some companies that are having meditation courses or like even the CEOs are starting their day with meditation and that really has helped them to transition through the pandemic into the new leadership style that we are all seeing now. So definitely there is a lot of potential in there. And one of the areas we're also focusing beyond the products that we see we are selling in our own website is corporate. Because once we start having conversations about the project and, and we were sharing with insight about 75% of your daily emotions being affected by what it smells, leaders of corporations, but also hospitality venues, they were very, very interested because they saw here they could have an opportunity to improve the well-being of the guests or their employees, but also make a more meaningful experience while they were in the office or in the hotel. And that's a project that we love because both Nina and I have a very strong background in brand building and the service that we are getting more demand. We have, of course, like corporate gifting. So we offer corporate gifts for these companies, but the, the service that is getting more demand is to create a unique master blend for them. And it's such a nice process because we first identify what are the brand values they have as a brand or as a hotel, which are what each of them stands for. And then we have conversations with them to identify what emotion they want to convey. Because a hotel, maybe they want to have different emotions according to the spaces they have, or they would like to have a few different emotions in the room. And then Nina and I have the exercise of getting the brand values, the emotions, and we translate it into a blend. And that gives a lot of the storytelling for them. And it makes, at the end of the day, we are targeting hotels that are very much focused on providing a well-being experience that are also having a low lifestyle, even if they are located in big cities. So 
that's an exercise that they enjoy. We enjoy a lot. And then we cannot wait to start sharing with everybody in which hotel we're going to be present. Yeah, I mean, that's so exciting. And I just wonder, you talked a little bit about your broader ambitions for more moments and where it can go. And obviously that, what you've described there, Astrid, will be such an exciting expression. And I guess that you can play with concepts on a on a different scale, even than people will be engaging on their private time in their private homes, which is very exciting. What do your ambitions, your shared ambitions for this business, what do they look like? Is it about long-term time horizons? Is it about other areas of life opportunities you can unlock using the power of a fragrance and more moments what do you i don't know what does what do the longer term ambitions what do they what do they look like for you both so we want to grow organically and as the concept is holistic well-being we see the ambition to move from product to experience so organically we're gonna start launching more blends and more ways to diffuse your spaces but we have a lot of interesting ideas. We also want to bring mass and experience to everyone. I mean, it's not just about product. It's about the experience you can have from what Ma represents. And so we would love to, I don't know, do retreats of Ma. We would love to, to bring, I don't know, different coach services. We don't know still yet how to put in form, but we want to to share experiences and to share services as well, because we feel that people want to be connected with nature and we feel that people love the idea of being in the moment and having this sense inside their life. So we have to bring more well-being tips to inspire people to have more holistic lifestyle. Nina Marti and before that, Esther Payrolls, the founders of Mar. You can learn more about the brand, its principles of design, materials and manufacture, and its philosophy at marmoments.com. Next up, let's head to Bavaria. Mugi's Mikhail Stieber and his partner Andrea Rekert, inspired by their experiences travelling and teaching in Japan, produce barley used there to brew mugi cha or barley tea. As Mikhail will tell us, however, there are a number of other applications for the cereal, all of which means mugi makes a sustainable product that delivers as part of a more circular economy too. But how exactly did they find that inspiration, and how receptive has the Bavarian farming community been to this reimagining of barley's potential? Here's Mikhail. I wouldn't say we're messing with the beer formula because we actually um, like beer and we appreciate beer a lot, but we wanted to show that barley can do more than just become beer. And we wanted to use it in a different context because beer is used in a context of partying, of relaxing, hanging out with friends. And we wanted to use barley in the same context in a way, but also in a different way because it's less about partying, but rather about creating relaxing moments and taking the tea tradition of having a tea ritual and being mindful about tea and actually drinking tea to this new context and to create barley and use it in that in that new context. Yeah, so tell me a bit then about where the idea came from. Are you sort of Japanophiles? Is it something that you had encountered on your travels? How did you begin to formulate what this other life for barley under your watch could look like? So actually, we've been traveling a lot and we always admired on entrepreneurs and their mindsets. We saw that startups were getting more and more press. 
And whenever we were traveling, and we also lived abroad in various countries such as France, Italy, the United States, Japan, and Singapore. And then we always were like looking for business ideas. And when we saw businesses that were working and looked interesting, we were considering we could do that or something similar to it. And that's when we started like thinking through ideas. And then especially on barley tea, we knew that from Japan. Probably most listeners know that barley tea is pretty much everywhere in Japan. You can get it in plastic bottles in supermarkets, but also in more special contexts such as hot spring resorts. I've always been into tea as well. And then we started to think about that. And another aspect that came to it was that I personally, I grew up on a farm in Southern Bavaria, where it's not all about beer, but also about other kinds of grains like barley and wheat, for example. Mugi seemed to be the perfect idea for me because it combined the aspect of Japan tea with my own personal background of coming from a farm. And then we actually um, try to combine all these aspects. Mugi cha, so barley tea, seemed like the perfect idea for that. And it didn't exist in Germany at all. So we um, decided to launch a barley tea company in Germany, but with a different twist. Yeah, I think that like so many ideas, it melds lots of interesting things, personal passion, Mm -hmm. your experiences. Tell me, what were you and Andrea doing that took you around the world to all those different countries? Was that your your previous work? How come you had such an itinerant lifestyle before? Actually, our context is pretty different from the startup lifestyle, some people would say, because um, we're actually teachers. So we teach uh, high school. We just taught in a lot of different countries and did internships, but also worked for longer periods and always tried to uh, experience other cultures and travel a lot and combine that with our professional itineraries. Yeah, I think that's really that's really great. And I think it says something about the kind of an open mind to opportunity, maybe, that mm-hmm. comes from that kind of discipline. So can you guys remember specifically where your Mugi Cha adventure began? Was it one particular moment in Japan when that ambition that you'd had, you talked about looking for opportunity, was there a, a single moment when it kind of all fell mm-hmm. into place and you really realized? Was it a particular moment in a particular setting or did it just kind of build up over time, this sense? Actually, it was kind of mixed because we've traveled to Japan, I think, two or three times before. And we did uh, drink Mugicha and enjoyed it, but we didn't think, think about that. I personally thought about tea when I lived in Singapore and I always liked the idea of bringing the Asian approach to tea to Germany. That was kind of interesting. But if I had to pin it down to one moment, it would have been we were just taking a walk. And we were actually in Germany because uh, my partner, Andrea, she's from Würzburg in northern Bavaria. And they were just taking a walk along the Main River. And we were, as always, as so often, um, playing through ideas and thinking about different business ideas, ventures. And then I just came, like the idea just came to my mind. And then we, we thought, well, this is such a bad idea, like many others we've had. <laughs> and then it became more and more concrete. And we developed what you could call the first plan. Now tell me, to that plan then, why now and what's the ambition, Mikhail? Because I guess a lot of these businesses where people maybe change course a little bit or try something different, a lot of that happened post-March 2020, didn't it, with the pandemic? It prompted a lot of people to to reconsider what they were doing and how they were, were doing it. Was that part of it? Was the pandemic maybe a little bit of a factor in changing your and Andrea worldview and what you wanted to do mm-hmm. and how you wanted to live? Yeah, I'd say the pandemic played an important role because it was actually in 2020 when we registered the brand. And before that moment, we, we were considering Mugi and it became more concrete. We made actual plans for it. 
So I would say it played a role and it, it taught us in a way to reconsider our lifestyles and yeah, see if we could actually realize an idea and actually bring it to practice, not just talking about it. And we had a lot of time to reflect during the pandemic more than before because life somehow went more slowly. And that's when we actually, well, profited from that opportunity and made the plan. And what a plan. So you launched the brand. Tell me mm -hmm. about, because there's an interesting kind of circularity about your approach. It's not just about tea. You're, you're really demonstrating the flexibility, aren't you, of, of Bali. Mm -hmm. It can have different iterations. And there's a holistic approach to the business and to your products, which really fits the moment because this idea about being sustainable and joined up is is really everywhere now. Tell us why mm -hmm. Bali is so flexible and all the different ways that you can work with this kind of magic ingredient to deliver mm -hmm. not just tea, but other aspects as well. Well, we always thought that barley was underappreciated, especially in Germany, um, because people were not using it a lot except for beer. For example, um, for baking, it's not always as good to use as wheat, for example. And that's why we wanted to show that it can actually be used in more different ways. And what makes our barley special is that we're using a special variety that's, as far as I know, not used in Japan. And it's called nude barley because it doesn't have husks around the different grains. And what makes it more versatile is the fact that people can actually eat the barley. So instead of brewing a tea, as tea works as a cold brew as well, but also as a hot tea, but in addition to that, you can actually also eat the grains and just snack them instead of chips, for example. But you can also use them after brewing the tea. So it's sustainable. There's no waste. We don't use any tea bags. It's just the barley itself. And it can be used in a variety of, of recipes. For example, we've tried granola or smoothies even. Or sometimes you can use it as toppings in, in soups, for example. So we're still expanding our horizon when it comes to recipes and our community um, also gives us a lot of interesting ideas. So it's, it's pretty much, I guess you could say zero waste and it's sustainable because we use a special variety of barley. So you don't have to throw away the barley after. Yeah. So tell me then, Mikhail, how, what, what's the, the scope of your ambition here? Because it looks like a product that just perfectly fits the moment. And it mm -hmm. looks like something, obviously it's in some respects, it's very specific to Germany and your story. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But I imagine that this is something that can be enjoyed in other markets, of mm -hmm. course. Is there huge scope for, for expansion? What, what kind of ambitions do you guys have for, mm -hmm. for your brand and for this kind of reimagining of Bali? For now, um, our scope of ambition is actually to expand the business for now within uh, German-speaking markets. We've got our own online shop in Germany for now, but we also send to other countries. And we'll be in a shop in Austria soon, a tea shop in Vienna. And we're also in a lot of different shops in Germany. What's kind of interesting there is the range of shops. We are in tea shops, of course. We're also featured in delis or in, even in the interior design stores, because I'd say our design is pretty minimalist and often suits their aesthetics as well. And that's why we have quite a big variety of shops where you can actually get our product. So our ambitions are for now to become bigger within Germany and the German speaking markets, but also to be featured in more different media, such as print magazines and podcasts. We'd like to work more with tea influencers. And we also venture into new ideas and new areas. We're working with a bar, for example, and they're looking to create a, or trying to create a, a cocktail. Yeah. So for now it's within the German speaking markets, but we're also open to other markets in the future. 
Well, it's so exciting. And I think it's great for Monocle to speak to you at still quite an early stage of the journey. Mm -hmm. I always find it really exciting to talk to entrepreneurs who are, you know, still taking not their first steps, but kind of early steps on the Mm -hmm. journey. And just on that point, on a sort of personal basis, Michael, have you always been... I don't know. Have you always been a, an enterprising character, a bit of an entrepreneur? You mentioned, of course, growing up on a farm. I guess mm-hmm. you had to work. Yeah. Uh, presumably you had to work very hard. You had to be pretty enterprising. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that kind of background prepared you well for the world of being an entrepreneur and the, and the demands of trying to get your own business started? Yeah, I'd say that every farmer always is and has to be an entrepreneur as well. And so in a way, these topics like taking risks and being an entrepreneur, they've always been around me. But I also think that my other background in teaching also helped me because as a teacher, you have to communicate on a daily basis with a lot of different people. And I also teach philosophy. So I, I've always been working with different ideas and bringing these ideas into practice, applying them to different contexts. So I'd say that I'm a mixture, which at first maybe seems a bit off because I got two very different backgrounds. But I'd say that they work pretty well together to make me an entrepreneur. So I think I can actually profit from that. Mikhail Stieber, co-founder of Mugi. You can learn more about Mugi and about Mikhail and Andrea's unusual journey at mugi-minded.de. That's all for this week. The programme was mixed and edited by Jack Dewars. My thanks to him as ever. And of course, thanks once again to the Mar Moments team and to Mikhail and all at Moogie. Listen again and find out more about the entrepreneurs at monocle.com or follow us and catch up with the archive via your preferred podcast platform. I'm Tom Edwards. Goodbye and thanks, as always, for listening to The Entrepreneurs.